0: Welcome to More Than Abstract. Uh, I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Zachariah. How's it going?
1: It's going well today. Thank you for asking. All right.
0: So I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories. I'm going to start by talking about how whales talk to each other, and then I'm going to relate all that to aliens, and we're going to figure out the middle together.
1: All right? I don't know how you get to the middle of any of these related things, but okay.
0: Oof. there's, There's a more direct connection than you might think. So, um... Start with whales, I guess. You know how whales communicate with each other? They just go like,
1: Ooh,
0: and it goes pretty far. So you can hear them from thousands of miles away. But That's weird. If I were to stand even 100 feet away from you, I'd need to yell for you to even be able to hear me. So why would it be that whales can hear each other from so far away?
1: Hmm. This might be a little bit of a shot in the dark, but if they're anything like dolphins or bats i would assume echolocation and it's at a frequency that's better for animals to hear that's not a bad guess well i guess i'll get
0: to that uh, whether it is or not so okay. the fact that it's water is one thing sound travels further in water than it in air for example but it's also because of dissipation so in the example of me shouting at you the sound waves would emanate from me go out in all directions so not only you would hear me shouting, but also my neighbor and anyone else around. And maybe they think I'm crazy or something.
1: And my soul would dissipate pretty much.
0: That That's right. Your soul would also dissipate. <laughs> so all these sounds uh, go absolutely everywhere. And the intensity just dissipates over time. A similar thing would happen in water. If you were, say, 10 meters below the surface and yelled, it would dissipate in the same way. But it would probably travel further than it did if you were in air. Hmm. Now something really odd happens when you go even deeper into the ocean. If you're near the surface, sound travels kind of far. But if you were, say, five kilometers below the surface, pretty deep down, it would travel further but nowhere near the thousands of miles you would see from whale calls. But if you're in a sweet spot around one kilometer below the surface, sound can travel absolutely vast distances. But what on earth could be causing uh, that
1: oh my gosh this is the part where i'm supposed to know answers to very hard scientific questions
0: oh no it's okay i don't expect uh, <laughs> anyone i didn't know it until i actually looked it up so you you might suspect that it's like the speed of sound in water it just re- reaches a massive peak at this depth that's what i thought uh you know the argument being something something pressure and temperature changes something something sound goes far right
1: whatever you say
0: <laughs> so uh That's about how it goes, but not in the way that you might expect. That part of the ocean, just a kilometer below the surface, has the slowest speed of sound, and so sound that starts at that depth will travel at a slower speed than if you were right above or right below that point. Huh. But that slowness is what makes it travel so far. There is less dissipation at this depth, but why would that be?
1: Since we were talking about... I guess, I think we touched upon how sound can travel through water, and I guess you'd have a lot of water packed on top of more water, and is it just like you'd have more particles of water for sound to travel upon? That that would increase the speed of sound when you compare it with uh, water and
0: air, but I guess that doesn't explain why um, sound travels so far in one stretch of water compared to another stretch.
1: Ah, well, I gave it my best guess.
0: Yeah, it was was a good guess. So instead of talking about water, speed of sound, all that stuff, let's instead give an example that's uh, more relatable. So say you have a set of runners, and they're blindfolded and attached by the waist to each other, so they're all lined up and attached on some track. But instead of being on a regular track, it's a bit odd as (laughs) the middle of the track is covered in grass or difficult terrain. This difficult terrain eventually subsides as you get to to the ends of the track, where it just becomes, you know, easier to run on. If someone were to run in the middle of the track, so inside the tall grass, they would be moving slower compared to the ends. This is meant to simulate that, okay, the speed of sound is going to be the lowest in the middle, the middle being analogous to that point one kilometer down below the surface of the ocean,
1: okay? Okay.
0: I I just want to make sure that uh, we're good with this setting that we have here. So you have an idea of um, everything in your mind.
1: So far, I have blindfolded people running on a track just like the ocean.
0: (laughs) Just like the ocean with difficult terrain in the middle and then easier terrain as you get further away from the middle. Hey, I almost got it. Yeah. So you tell these runners that are attached to each other to just run straight, not in a direction relative to the track itself, but to run forwards and they're blindfolded so they can't really tell or they don't really have a reference point. And angle the runners such that um, they would all at some point interact with a changing difficult terrain so they can't be moving parallel to this tall grass. Mm -hmm. As the slower runners that are in the tall grass move, they end up slowing down the entire set of runners since they're attached to the waist so uh, the runners that are further away from the tall grass they would be pushed back into the difficult terrain just because they're being pulled down by the slower people
1: makes sense so far
0: so the ones that are moving faster they would curve back into the middle and uh, encounter the difficult terrain again and once uh, the fast runners reach the tall grass uh, they're the ones slowing down the rest of the runners and the cycle goes on and on and on So the way these runners are meant to symbolize the wave fronts of these sound waves, instead of dissipating out everywhere, instead of being free to go everywhere, they're trapped on this track because there's a bit of tall grass here that makes it harder to move.
1: This is just like Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: All of a sudden you're going to find a Squirtle and then then you're you're stuck there for a while.
1: (laughs) You know it. So
0: that's analogous to what happens with the sound waves. Just like the runners, they're trapped in this one region of the water that's about a kilometer down. So this part of the ocean is called the Sofar Channel, I guess, because sound travels so far in it.
1: They really named it the Sofar Channel?
0: Yeah, they named it the Sofar Channel. I mean,
1: I would have named it something, like at least my name, like the the Pranjal Channel sounds a lot better than the Sofar Channel. Like, come on. It kind of does. You know, they should name
0: it that. (laughs) it's it stands for sound fixing and ranging wait
1: seriously it stands for something
0: yeah they made it an acronym (laughs) just (laughs) so uh this guy maurice ewing found this beautiful beautiful piece of physics ewing worked for the u.s navy and this was during world war ii so anything discovered would be used uh, to fight the japanese really he came up with this idea that say you're a pilot uh, flying in the Pacific. You're you're in a dogfight. You're just shooting down some planes or something, and then all of a sudden, oh no, tragedy strikes, and you crash your plane, and you you survive the crash, but you're stuck in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, middle of nowhere. So we didn't have GPS at this point. So this pilot would kind of be trapped right there, where he's at. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ewing came up with this idea. He thought that. If you have this metal ball that's a bit hollow and it's precisely made such that as you drop it into the ocean and exactly at one kilometer below the surface it collapses and makes a small explosion so that Ooh. sound because it's in the SOFAR channel uh, would be trapped in that region and it would travel really far so you could have sensors like the american west coast and triangulate where that guy's at go over there and save him and then all of a sudden you got an extra pilot
1: what, when when was this did you mention this was uh, during World War two they were coming up with metal balls all the way back
0: then yeah yeah they they you know they they were able to make uh, bullets and stuff so I guess it's not too far off
1: I mean who would have that's before its time I mean the research is yes. already put in then we're already we're still using them now for other purposes
0: oh I, I don't think we're still using it now <laughs> <laughs> we got GPS that's probably <laughs> you know, a bit better but uh... so it's a great idea but the war ended up ending before he could use it which I guess is good, but sucks for Ewing. The guy, of course, kept working for the Navy, and, well, he had plenty of work to do since after uh, World War II, the Cold War started soon after, and so now people were looking at ways to spy on the Russians from really far away, and listening to sounds that are coming from thousands of miles away sounds like the perfect way to do that. The only problem being, the so far channel only exists in water, so it could, it has a limited use. Well. Uh, Ewing kept working at it, and turns out there's a similar channel in the atmosphere, since all this really relies on is the physics of the speed of sound being at a minimum at at a certain point. So that's perfect. You could just uh, listen to what the Russians are doing. They're they're blowing bombs somewhere up there. um, The sound will be traveled in the same... It's essentially what's an analog of the SOFAR channel in the atmosphere.
1: Is it also called the SOFAR channel in the atmosphere? I don't
0: think... (laughs) I don't actually know if it has a name, um, but it's definitely not the SOFAR channel. Is,
1: is it by the same concept too, the wavefronts thing you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's the same concept, hmm. but just in the air. Pretty high up. Is it like by proportion, like just as high or like, I don't know if this makes sense. Like, Would you have to go deeper in water to get to the SOFAR channel than you, and then as high as you would have to go in the air? You have to actually go
0: higher in the air. Uh, then go down into the water i I looked it up i think it's like a hundred forty thousand feet or something Hmm. let me let me just check that to be
1: sure i wonder if that has anything to do with the altitude planes reach and um where you're turning your cell phone on airplane mode it's probably nothing to do with that but (laughs) um so it's at 14
0: kilometers up and so that's way higher than any uh planes would be able to go Mm -hmm. um I guess it's 45,000 feet-ish.
1: Yeah, that's kind of crazy high. So maybe, (laughs) maybe not.
0: So all you would really need to do at this point is to put a bunch of microphones on a balloon, send it all the way up there to the (laughs) so far channel in the sky, and you get high enough, then, well, uh, you might listen to something.
1: I would have never thought to put microphones on a balloon, but kudos to the man that thought of doing it. Yeah, well, the military, they have a big budget, turns out. (laughs) You're telling that to somebody from the U.S.
0: <sighs> so um, microphones at this time were a little bit different. Think of the really old BBC radio broadcast where you'd see some British person standing in front of a mic that's got a metal ring around it with springs going into the receiver that's like silver and stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar?
1: I mean, I've only heard the stories from the people who have came before me. <laughs> um, let me... Give you a picture. What the heck? This looks like uh, something you used to summon Satan. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost there. <laughs> this is what a microphone used to be? Well, uh,
0: it used to look something similar. That's a modern version. It's called a shock-mounted mic. Mics at this time were really sensitive to vibration, so any uh, wiggling could just give some noise in there, which you don't want, so you need the, uh, the springs in there. Mm-hmm. And so these things would be called discs, uh, colloquially, mostly because of that metal ring. So you put them on these balloons, you, they float up really high, and then they listen for a bunch of booms. And if they they find some, it's it might be some Russians. But they are prone to popping, these balloons, and they end up falling down sometimes.
1: Right, because they're, you know, balloons. Yeah, yeah they're balloons, and they're <laughs> up in
0: the sky. So since this was military stuff uh, against Russians at this time, whenever something like this happened where a balloon popped... There'd need to be a bunch of people rushing to the site to be like okay let's make sure no spies or civilians get a load of this but there was one unlucky day when a balloon popped and some civilians found it and saw a ton of soldiers just rushing to the crash and when one porter, one reporter asked someone what's going on this person happened to reply oh our flying discs uh, fell out of the sky and, well people took that to mean something completely different uh oh <laughs> Of course, all this being spying stuff, they couldn't uh, tell the truth of what happened and had to cover it up with some story like um, some story that's remotely believable, like weather balloons, you know, up there or something. Yeah, of course. And and that is the declassified story behind the
1: Roswell incident in New Mexico. Wait, what? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Yep. Yeah. So the that's what got us all obsessed with, you know, un- unidentified flying objects
0: yeah or at least that's the declassified story
1: hmm that's what they want us to know
0: yeah it's a beautiful piece of physics I I love it so I love the story so much that's how we relate whales to aliens
1: I I did not expect this to take that kind of turn but (laughs) I really hope you get to tell this as a physics professor
0: oh I tell this every time to my students whenever we talk about sound at any point
1: (laughs) that's so great
0: yeah so that's all I have
1: for you what did you think about this one i really did enjoy this um i I wasn't sure how the aliens were going to come into play but you know i was a little disappointed to hear there weren't any real aliens but that doesn't mean they're not here yet yeah it's true
0: we all know this is a cover-up and really like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you know instead
1: of dolphins it's whales this isn't the declassified story no this is the declassified story (laughs) Oh, no, no, I mean this story, the one we're on right now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I actually got the
0: details. Like, I got the rights to this one. Uh, <laughs> all right. So if you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leave a review. Uh, tell us what you think about it. And tell a friend. If you want some supplementary material, you can always follow us on Twitter, at More Abstract. I monitor that so you can leave some comments and tell me what you think. Or even uh, give some ideas if you have some topics, topics that you want me to talk about. And if you like this, uh, you can find more episodes wherever
1: you get podcasts.